Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go! It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. I'm very grateful you just keep sending stuff. And I mean it. We are thankful that you send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, stories, sermons, articles, anything wretched. Please keep sending it to idea at wretched.org. All right. We start with Ken, who says, Todd. I'm sorry. What? With who? Ken. With whom? Ken. 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 Oh, it has an E. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting because Tennessee has several of them. <laughs> is it Tennessee? No, it's Tennessee. It is. It's Ken. Ken. It's not that I speak wrongly. It's that you hear wrongly. Well, something's wrong here. <laughs> All right. All right. From Ken. Todd, do you remember the day you repented and put your faith in Christ? Mm, Could I tell you the exact second? No, I did go through a season where God crushed me (laughs) and big time where he revealed to me my stinking, reeking, arrogant, pride-filled, ungodly mind. Oh, wow. So could I tell you the second of the day? No, but I can tell you the season. Now, this is not to undermine that I think that if you are born again, you probably you probably can remember that time where your affections went from I don't feel like doing godly things to you know what I I do now. Whatever that season is, most likely you can remember it. I can't even remember the year, but that's not because I don't remember it happening. It's because I am so globally unaware of time. I don't even know what today is. Seriously, if you came up to me and said, did you know that we're living in 1874? I'd say, sure. Okay, great. Who are you? What? Where am I? Why am I? I just don't I just don't remember dates. Well, Mrs. Friel does not so much for me, but I do remember the season. And if you struggle with assurance because you don't remember the second you were saved, be careful with that. You don't need to pinpoint the moment, although I would say this. Because somebody sent an email to idea at wretched.org and asked, does God save you progressively? Well, first of all, you were saved in eternity past. For those whom he called, he elected. And this, by the way, I believe is aorist tense. He, he, this was all done. It was all predetermined. And it was certain. And it was sure. So you were justified in eternity past. Now, that actually has to happen in real historical time, does God do it over a season? Well, I think the the most biblical way to state it is God with different people takes more or less time. For instance, maybe you're a kid, you grew up in church, you heard preaching your entire life, but it wasn't until some event, 
something happened, you heard something, and it was like, boing, the light bulb goes off. I do believe the light bulb goes off lickety-split. I think salvation is an instantaneous, all-encompassing event. But God can be preparing somebody's heart. There are other people who will never have heard the gospel, and then the first time they hear it, they're undone, and they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So how the process is as varied as the number of saints, but being born again, it is indeed something that God does just in the twinkling of an eye, you move from darkness to light. It's not progressive. It's not like you're kind of justified, sort of glorified a little bit. No, you are totally when you're born again. You don't, however, need to remember that nanosecond, but I'll bet you can remember the season I sure do. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, or snarks to idea at wretched.org. I'm nervous about this. This comes from Ken N, who is wondering. I see why you're why you're a little <laughs> uptight. Yeah, he want, he was wondering um, to get your advice on how to teach his kids to turn the other cheek without them becoming pushovers. Yeah. I'm so attuned these days to vocabulary. What does it mean to be a pushover? If you mean somebody who just lets themselves get trampled on, well, got to be even careful with that because there are times when Christians get trampled on. There are times to turn the other cheek. There are times to surrender not your desires, but to give in to the will of other people. In fact, we're called to do that constantly. Paul does it at least twice in Romans chapter 12. When you esteem others as better than, you let them have their way. Does that make you a pushover? No, it makes you godly. It, it, it makes you like Jesus, who did not insist that he be worshipped the way that he deserved, setting aside all of the delights of heaven so that he could walk like a servant unto death, even death on a cross. So are we to be pushovers? Well, define that word. Should you ever let your wife get hurt? No. But that has nothing to do with being a pushover. That has to do with your role and your assignment to defend and protect your wife. I think you find that in 1 Peter. The visual imagery is of the man loving his wife with his arm around her like, I got her. I got this. I'm going to make sure this stays safe. That's the imagery. That's our job. So you do that. You're, you're, and, and, and you're not a pushover when it comes to violent acts being perpetrated on loved ones or complete strangers that you see. But as far as giving in to, you can also defend yourself. If your child is being, they can defend themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. Remember, turning the other cheek is insult driven, not physical abuse driven. So we just let the insults go. The sticks and stones, they can break our bones. The names shouldn't hurt us. And we give in because our God sacrificed for us. And that doesn't make you a pushover. So to specifically answer your question, how do you raise your kids to be godly but not be a pushover? I, I, I take a look at vocabulary. And I'd use biblical language and I'd use all the biblical precepts that accompany this subject because on the one hand, we are pushovers. That's, that's our posture on this planet. We aren't the ones who insist on our own way. Now, theologically, that's a different story. So you need to bring in all of these teachings. Don't just camp on one word. 
but give a holistic presentation of what it actually means to be a godly man or woman. Idea at wretched.org. Okay, this next one comes from Karen. Dear Mr. Friel, are DNRs and DNIs biblical? DNRs? The do not resuscitate orders. And Thanks the, for the context. And the do not intubate orders. What do you, what do, you do? You, do you think that I'm a doctor? I would know these well, things. Well, you know, they're just wondering if the Lord's taking us. Is it appropriate for a doctor or a nurse to bring us back? Uh, it depends. It depends. It really does. On the one hand, you've got medicine as a gift from God, and we appreciate that blessing don't we? So God heals supernaturally and directly, or he can heal supernaturally through medicine. So we appreciate medicine. We appreciate the desire to live. You have a will to live, and it's okay to desire to keep breathing. What happens when somebody reaches the end of their life? What happens if somebody gets harmed at a young age And there's been severe damage that has been done. Each one of these cases needs to be dealt with individually. So be careful that you don't hear me making blanket statements. But I think the principle is this. When it is clear, when it is crystal clear, and this should be done in consultation with your pastor, loved ones, wise people, when it is perfectly obvious to everybody that God is taking the life of this person It is okay to not intercede and to not try to resuscitate. It's okay. You're not killing your loved one. God is taking their life, and you're you're not getting in the way of that process. Now, what if it's somebody who could keep on living and something happens? Do you put the paddles on them? Yeah, of course you do. You make every effort to try to save human life because it's precious in the eyes of God. So walk through these situations very carefully. There's nothing wrong with you giving a DNR in your will so that you you can just not not be kept alive by a machine. That's that's not a sin. And it's not a sin if you had to make that very difficult decision. I think the key principle is is it obvious that God is taking that child's life, meaning his child's life? If so, we can sadly let them go. But if they could live on, then I think we save on. Please send your disagreements, if you like, to idea at wretched. Jimmy, how did I do on that? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you mean the answer to the question? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, but. Here it comes. No, there's the but. You know, I, I mean, I think if the Lord is taking us, I don't think a doctor or nurse could bring us back. Oh, that that's or, true, too. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> believe me. If God has determined this is the time, you can have the paddles, you can have the injection, you can have the scalpel. And if God is taking that life, that life is going to be taken because we aren't going to thwart him. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't recognize, hey, somebody was hurt in an accident. We try to help them. We don't just let them go. We do what we can to rescue them and let them live. Idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMEI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. 
the Masters Academy International in Ukraine, fighting a battle on two fronts. <laughs> You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Masters Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I want to ask you an odd question. How are your finances? Now, I'm not asking for you to give me a direct answer. I'm asking because we all need to think about how wisely we're stewarding the resources God's provided to us. Whether it be your local church or a parachurch ministry like Wretched, the Bible teaches that our giving should be done out of joy. And it should be an amount that we desire to give, not an amount that we've been guilted into giving. Why do I bring this up? Well, at Wretched, we rely on the kindness and generosity of God's people just like you to do the things that we feel led to do, which is preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Your faithful support enables us to reach millions of people all over the world. So would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to reach the world with the gospel? Find out how you can become an ongoing monthly gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities. I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. It is a thorough, systematic presentation of the gospel. The two major themes are sin and righteousness. Sinners are counted righteous by imputation of Christ's righteousness. If you wish to understand the gospel, the clearest, most thorough explanation is in the book of Romans. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, name, image, likeness. This is Wretched Radio. If you send something to idea at wretched.org, would you please affix your name? We'd like to know who you are. Whether you put an image or likeness, please note, we will not pay you for it like you're a college football player. <laughs> I was, I've been meaning to have a conversation with you. About, about getting money for sending emails uh, yeah. with your name attached to it? Name, image, and likeness. It's the big debate these days. Nick Saban was commenting. He's the football coach for the dynasty known as Alabama. 
talking about how bad it is that we're going to be paying college students because they're not going to pick a university based on the university, its credentials, how good it is for them, whether it is socially, spiritually or academically or physically. No, they're going to be going to the highest bidder because we are turning college sport into professional sport by compensating the football players for their name, image and likeness. And I have to confess, I, I understand why people think that way. Universities make squillions of dollars on their football programs. So I don't think that somebody is a demon for wanting to compensate the kids. But it does remind us of the real reason for college athletics. Do you remember, I think it was the late 19th century, a group of Christian men got together to determine how can we help these boys become men? How can we help them grow in godliness, sacrifice, teamwork, athleticism? How, how can we help them accomplish those things? Hey, look at that pigskin. Let's, let's put some air in it and throw it around, and the kids will learn how to compete as a team, not running off into the end zone by themselves, not running away from all of the players to receive all the glory, but no, saying, thanks, quarterback, for throwing me the ball. Thanks, blocker, for taking that guy down so I had a straight path. That was the original purpose of sports, athletics, in college. Now it's about money. Oofta. So it hasn't always been about money. No. Huh. No, it hasn't. This is this is and I and I understand it because the universities have turned it into such a money making. I was going to say scheme, but it's not a scheme. It's legitimate, and people are complaining that it's off the backs of the kids. I get that, but the kids did get compensated. They got an education. They probably received a dorm room. Maybe they got food. They get plenty of adulations and attaboys. So they were compensated to a degree, but it was far less money driven. It was more about team driven. You watch now as we give 18 year olds, whatever hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Yeah. Do, do, they, do they need an agent? Lawyers? I think they will in pretty short order. Yeah. I mean, I can go both ways on this conversation. Um, I, I get it. it. Well, I mean, they, these kids have already been being paid for years. Now it's just out front and open for everybody well, to see. Well, that, that is true. But this, I think the dollar amounts, I, I don't think that there was supposed to be straight money under the table. If that was happening, I don't think that was legal. But they're doing it now. It will just change kids' motivation, why they are doing it. They're going to become more self-centered, not more team-spirited. So everything that was originally intended with football is now being sacrificed to money. I don't think that is a good trade. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to your Christian sports talk station, idea at wretched.org. This one comes from Jeffrey. He says, Todd, Jimmy consistently reminds us to pray for our brothers and sisters abroad. I do. And he said he would love to make that a practice, but the vastness of the issue is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. How do I pray over this issue without falling into vain repetition? I think with generalities and specificities, there, there can be some nationwide prayers. There can be prayers for the global church. There can be prayers for our brothers and sisters who don't live in a place of peace and freedom like we used to. <laughs> 
So we can be giving general prayers, prayers to God for the church, for his children, that he would protect them and keep them and provide for them and grow them and nourish them and provide Bibles and that they would strengthen the local church and that the pastors would be strong. You can do uh, generally. And then I would suggest take a look at the missionaries that your church supports and be praying specifically for them. And the the issue of repetition is one that I think I, I understand your concern that, okay, every day I'm going to pray, Lord, I'm praying for the global church, protect them and keep them. And then the next day you say, Lord, I'm praying for the, the global church, protect them and keep them. Next day, Lord, I'm praying for the global church, protect them and keep them. Now, is that a vain repetitious prayer? And the answer is you don't know because it's a heart issue. I can repeat the same words, but if my heart is in it, it's not a vain and repetitious prayer. So don't let that disqualify your prayers or keep you from praying them because you can't think of something clever to say every day. Just keep praying, but do it because you want to and because you care globally and individually. And incidentally, if you'd like some help with your prayers and keeping them structured, I'm telling you, praying the scriptures, it is a game changer when it comes to prayer. It's available at wretched.org. It will guide you through your prayer life. And every day you will be praying for the saints abroad in a different way, because it'll be different Bible verses that you're praying. It's called praying the scriptures. It's at wretched.org. And as long as we're talking about praying, would you keep praying for what is going on in Ukraine? Ah, Jimmy, do you see a lot of news on Ukraine these days? Uh, yeah, I. It ebbs and it flows. Yeah, it does. I, I don't. I. I don't really know what's going on. I don't know that anybody does really know what's going on over there. But I do know that there's a lot of brothers and sisters there. So pray for them. There's. There's a specific. Pray for all of the Christians in Ukraine. Lord, protect them, keep them, deliver them. Make sure that they have nourishment. Make sure that they stay safe. And don't don't th- let them be tortured. Don't let them be discriminated. Don't 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 let your children get harmed. And then you could, for instance, pray for like Max <laughs> from Tomorrow Clubs, who's in Ukraine. Pray for, pray for him. Pray for somebody that you know there. Pray for a missionary that your church has sent there because they sure do need it these days. And incidentally, if you would like to help the people of Ukraine, you can do that with Tomorrow Clubs. You know, they're the kids clubs, about a thousand of them throughout Ukraine. They, they're a lot of the clubs aren't meeting still. Some are actually opening, but many are not. And so they're using their time, energy and efforts to take care of our brothers and sisters. So if you're looking for a way to efficiently help people in a practical way in Ukraine, go to tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. And while you're on the Internet, send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Lee, who is wondering, Mr. Friel, how should Christians show a physical affection toward friends in this highly sexualized culture? Mm-hmm. Same gender and opposite gender friends. Yeah, it's 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 going to get trickier. It's going to get dicier. It's going to become more difficult to do it because of what will be imported into your actions. These days, because we are now so inundated with teaching about sexuality, if you do anything that is affectionate towards somebody of the same sex, what's the implication? Well, then you, you must be gay. And that, that's going to keep that from happening. Furthermore, there's so much talk these days 
about some of the barbarous men who do terrible things to women. If you hug them, the assumption is going to be, oh, you're a, a pervert or a predator. That's all culturally informed. So I think that we need to be mindful of that. There might be settings where you back off and you don't give the traditional Baptist hug. You know what that looks like. You kind of hit shoulders and then one, two, three pats on the back. That's the Baptist hug. You might want to be mindful of that and not do that because of a circumstance. But I wouldn't let the culture keep us from doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that is greeting each other affectionately, specifically with a holy kiss. Don't need to do that. That would be a cultural thing, but it should be a warm, affectionate greeting. Do you have to hug every Christian? No. Should you be thoughtful about hugging somebody the opposite gender? Oh, you better believe you should be, especially if you're married, especially if you're a pastor. You better be really careful how you do that hugging. Should it be a full frontal affair? No, not with somebody who's not your spouse. I think kind of the, you know, the side thing can be just fine, but be mindful because these days, affection, it is indeed up for grabs. And there are challenges to anything that could be totally innocent, could be deemed as being a crime. So be thoughtful of that, but don't stop being affectionate with one another, greeting one another heartily. You know, I really... A really firm fist bump, because that's all we do these days. Are we ever going to shake hands again? Are we ever going to stop that, letting germs rule our behavior? It's, there's too much COVID out there. There's. <laughs> I heard New York is shutting down again. I don't. I don't know really? if that's, that's that's accurate or not, but that's that's what I heard. I, boy, oh boy, I haven't heard much about Ukraine, and I haven't heard much about COVID. <laughs> so. But apparently, uh, it, they both still exist. So keep greeting one another enthusiastically. Just be smart, be mindful, be thoughtful, and don't do anything that could give the impression that you are not as honorable as you actually are. This is Wretched Radio. This is Ratchet Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Well, there's good news for one group of Christian employers, at least temporarily. Earlier this week, a federal judge issued a temporary injunction against a mandate from the Biden administration that states Christian employers must pay for or provide health plans that cover gender transition surgery. Legal counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom, Jacob Reed, said he believes the court was on firm ground to halt the enforcement of unlawful mandates that disrespect people of faith and also people of common sense. Okay, I added that last part. Disney has seen a pretty significant decline in their favorability rating over the last year. I didn't know there was such a thing, but apparently theirs has dropped quite a bit. The number actually dropped from 77% last year to 33% this year. And NBC, they reported it, and they're trying to put a bow on it. Actually, they attempted to put the focus elsewhere, and they did a pretty bad job. They decided to compare Disney's rating to that of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, because that's who the war has been between, Disney and Governor Ron DeSantis. And the numbers show that Disney is outperforming DeSantis 33% to 28%. 
But NBC conveniently did not mention the 31% of respondents who didn't answer the DeSantis question. So 31% of people didn't give their opinion on Governor DeSantis. I'm not sure I'd call that a victory for Disney. But if NBC wants to spin it that way, who are we to stop them? Rioters upset over the arrest of two Muslims in connection with the killing of a Christian college student in Nigeria attacked three church buildings, also looting and damaging other Christian-owned shops last weekend. The area Muslims demanded their release because, I guess, murdering people is okay as long as the people you murder are Christian and the murderers are Muslim. But those responsible for the murder have not been released, and those responsible for the rioting and damage are being searched for by police and we can take that as a positive. One person was killed, five others injured when a gunman opened fire on a church in Orange County, California last weekend. 30 to 40 members of the Irvine Taiwanese Presbyterian Church were gathered when the man, reportedly in his 60s, walked in and opened fire. Church members subdued the suspect and hogtied him, according to reports, until authorities arrived. No other information has yet been released, including the motive behind the shooting. Three Christian families were assaulted and their homes destroyed last month in eastern India. The assailants were said to be tribal villagers who worship nature. They were reportedly upset that the Christian families didn't worship the way they did. So about a hundred of these tribal villagers attacked the Christians. Twenty of those had wooden batons they used in the assault. And as we tell you frequently here at Wretched, please be in constant and fervent prayer for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is mercy. Those who possess this gift are able to show compassion and comfort the afflicted, people who are sick, dying, or bereaved. God cares about the things that afflict us and has provided comfort in troubled times. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What would we do without you? This is Wretched Radio. On this day, nothing. We would do absolutely nothing without you. In fact, we wouldn't do a lot on most days if you didn't send stuff, things that you think are wretched, to idea at wretched.org. Stories, sermons, articles, please, from around the globe, keep sending them. For instance, I wouldn't have learned that Marvel Comics is introducing two new transgender superheroes for Pride Month. You see, so thank you. Finally. For sending in whatever you think is wretched. We are very grateful. Idea at wretched.org. You know, all superheroes don't wear capes, Todd. Okay. <laughs> Where are you going, Jimmy? I don't know. <laughs> of course they don't all wear. I, you know what? The truth is, I don't know. But the whole Marvel comic thing, and there's another branch of it. I should know it, but I, I'm, I'm, I just don't follow this stuff. The superhero hero proliferation of movies is you got to ask the question, why do people dig them so much, whether the superhero wears a cape or not? And Jimmy is right. It's not a cape that makes a person a superhero. Otherwise, Elvis would have been a superhero. Prince Charles would be a superhero. We know better, don't we? Superheroes, there is a reason that we see them throughout antiquity. Why did the Greeks write about mythological figures that had superpowers, these demigods? 
Why do we today see Marvel and what's the other what's the other comic stream of all the superheroes? Jake would know. He's sitting right next to you. DC. DC Comics. Yeah. And why why are they so it seems like every movie these days with the exception of Downton Abbey <laughs> is about a superhero. What is the reason for that? I believe there's a connection with what's going on in culture. The human heart has a narrative woven in it. There is a story that we all get. And you've got to ask yourself the question, why this mystery? Why do we all seek a superhero? Why do we all long for a powerful rescuer? Somebody who can be an amazing deliverer. Why? And I think the answer is Jesus. Because He's the superhero, if you will. He's the great deliverer. He's the powerful one that rescues us from danger. He's the one who crushed the head of the serpent. He's the one who delivers us from darkness. He's the one who breaks the power of the devil. That is the ultimate story. All of these stories that you're seeing in movie theaters are dim reflections. Because something in the human heart is, I, I, I just want to go see a superhero. I, I want to see good triumph over evil. If you want that, read your Bible and send emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. So Tommy said he was listening and heard that uh, the the episode where you talked about not overriding your conscience. Mm -hmm. He says, what if my conscience doesn't exactly align with scripture? Then you're sinning. (laughs) That's the issue of conscience. When we've got areas, we're not exactly sure on this. What do you do? You don't do what it is that you think you might want to do. Because you'd be overriding your conscience. You'd be unplugging your fire alarm. It means that you're training yourself to accept sinful things when they actually present themselves to you. So let's imagine you've got an issue that you're dealing with. And you read your Bible on the subject and you're like, huh. It seems to say that it's okay to do this, but yikes. I'm not so sure if I should be doing this. So you seek out godly counsel, which is always wise. And they say, friend, it's okay. You, you can do this. You can, you can actually participate in this. There's no sin in this. What do you do, though, if you still feel uneasy about it? Don't do it. Because that's overriding your conscience. That's Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. You do not want to commit the sin of not doing or doing something that you think you shouldn't be doing, or vice versa, for that matter. That is the importance of the conscience. Don't ever override it, even if the Bible and all of your friends say it's okay. If you don't think it is, don't do it. And then grow in wisdom. And maybe someday or year you'll look back and go, you know, I guess I could have done that. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Herman. Herman wrote in. Who? Herman. Herman who? Who? Exactly. Available at (laughs) wretched.org. Look at us dancing here on the radio. (laughs) Do you know hermeneutics? You will if you get Herman who available at wretched.org, which was actually written by the fellow who sent the email. Herman. Mm -hmm. That's right. He he said that uh, he said he's had some trouble recently saying something beneficial when he hands out gospel tracks. Do you have a 20 second elevator pitch that... I could use without saying something misleading like God loves you. Hey, did you get one of these? Hey, have you read this yet? Hey, have you seen this here? That's it. Simple. If you want to do a fast distribution, 
just reach and put it into their hand. Because people are mostly, mostly polite. They'll actually, you don't even need to say anything. Just go, here you go. That's it. Just put it into their hand. It doesn't need to be anything clever. Now, if you're in a situation where you could give them the booklet and they will be sitting next to you on the bus or the plane ride and potentially opening it up, well, then you could say something like, hey, I read this booklet. It's really challenging. I don't know if you want something to read while you're on the airplane ride, but here you go. I'd be interested to know what you think. Cool. Do something like that. But might I encourage you, please, whatever it is, do it genuinely. I am increasingly persuaded that that being actually loving towards somebody and desiring something better for somebody is the key to profitable evangelism. Now I know God does the God does the growth. I, I understand that totally, but if we can plant the seeds in a way that says we care, you are going to have more protracted evangelistic encounters than if you just kind of fire off some stuff. Go witnessing because you care. And I'm telling you, I, I we were at the campus this week and talking to students. I am telling you, it was it is palpable to me. I'm trying to, th okay, that one kid, yeah, he kind of did. She didn't. She just skedaddled right away. <laughs> but there, for instance, the last guy, that I spent, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes with? Ridiculous amount of time. I mean, he was walking through the camp. There's nobody on campus. It's it's the summer festival season. I guess there's a name, semester. So there aren't many kids on the campus. I, I, I nabbed this kid and sat and talked to him for, it felt, 30, 45 minutes, something like that. And when we were done, I'm not kidding. I wish I could recreate this for you, but my acting skills, they aren't up to snuff. I'm a I would say my acting level isn't quite at the Keanu Reeves level of acting. That's how good I am. This kid looked at me when we were done like, is, is that it? Are, are, are we done? Yep, thanks for your time. Got up, shook his hand, and he started walking away, and he stopped and turned around. And he goes, hey, you know, I got to tell you. That was a really smooth segue. That's what he said to me. <laughs> that was a really smooth segue. And he said, uh, did, did, did you like prepare that? And I said, no. In fact, I pulled out of my pocket a list of questions that I was going to be asking the students. I just never got to them because I can't help it. Wanted to evangelize instead. But I started talking to him again. And then it was like, okay, so take care. And he's like, okay. Now, look, this kid wasn't a dweeb. You know, just a just a typical college student. Looked like he could have been an athlete. He just wanted to talk. He just wanted somebody to, like, look into his eyes and go, I'm actually interested in you. I care about your soul. Bring that attitude with you to evangelism. I'm telling you, it will, it will so radically alter your witness encounters. Send emails to idea at wretched.org. So, Todd. So, Jimmy, Wesley is wondering what God was doing before he created the earth. <laughs> yeah, he was enjoying himself. He was totally content. He was fully satisfied in himself. That's what he was doing. Now, that's instructive for us, especially you're thinking about getting married. In fact, 
talked to somebody yesterday. She was getting married, and I said, uh, tell me. Oh, I know. And it was this guy at the gym. This guy at the gym said, I said, why are you getting married? And he was honest. He said, kids, companionship. And he goes, well, I got to admit it, intimacy. Okay, none of those desires are wrong. They're perfectly fine. But if you are counting on your spouse to deliver on those desires, you's in big trouble. Instead, you need to find your contentment, your satisfaction, your peace, your joy, totally and fully in the God who is totally and fully satisfied with himself. He's the best thing. He is the highest of the high. And he spent eternity before he created the world simply enjoying himself in communion with himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He wasn't lonely. He didn't need to create us. He didn't lack something. You know, I just want some people to hang with for a bit and you know, do stuff. No, totally satisfied. And that's instructive for us. Work, strive to find your fulfillment and your status in him, the all-sufficient one. And I'm telling you, your marriage will improve lickety-split. This is Wretched Radio. Here's a pre-born story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby 80 percent of the time she chooses life for just 28 dollars you could provide one of those ultrasounds but i would ask you how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide the more ultrasounds the more saved babies please consider what you can do at preborn.org wretched preborn.org wretched What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. Confession, normally numbers, aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared 
among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like perspicuity, the clarity of Scripture. God uses the text of Scripture to clearly communicate His character and will. God has not hidden His will for only the enlightened few to find. His truth can be clearly understood by anyone who reads His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we're off. This is Wretched Radio, hoping that you will not only send stuff to idea at wretched.org, but call. Leave a message. Try to be pithy if you'd be so kind so that Jimmy can nap longer. one 282 I thought I was convicted about your opinion about not taking the Lord's Supper if you haven't been baptized. And I have a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old who I believe have surrendered their lives to Christ. And they're a little confused of why I suddenly won't let them take the Lord's Supper anymore until they get baptized. I, I was just wondering what, what your take on that is. Like, you know, is it okay to let them take the Lord's Supper until they're ready? Because um, I, I do believe that, that they know the gospel and, and they are saved. Permit me to attempt to be pastoral. Yeah, I know that's a stretch. But I would say to this, Dad, I don't think that you're condemning your children to an eternity in a lake of sulfur if you've let them take communion. I just think it might be wise to sit down with them and read through the book of Acts, and you will see at least a dozen times somebody gets saved, they get baptized. They don't get saved and take communion. They get saved and they get baptized. That is, I think, the first ordinance. Some people, now, I don't know that I would state it this way, but they would actually say your baptism is actually entrance into the membership of the local church. And I I believe people who are becoming a member of a local church, if they aren't baptized, should be willing to as lickety split as possible. But I would then conclude that the Lord's Supper should take place after baptism because baptism is the first command of Jesus. Consider the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey, baptizing them. So get them saved, get them dunked. That's, that's the order. And when you read through the book of Acts, that's what you see. Then the individual who has made this public profession of faith that they, are, that they have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, that they have been born again to new life, then I think that they should be taking communion. I would share that with your kids. And you could even say this, boys, look, I think I've got this right, but here's why I'm being so careful about this. Because 1 Corinthians 11 tells me that if you take it unworthily, you could get sick or even die. So I, I don't want that for you. I want you to be safe. I don't, I don't want you to be sinning because you're not getting baptized. Now, I could be wrong about this. So tell you what, 
I think the solution to the problem, if you don't want to be dogmatic, you, but you, you just want to play it on the safe side, which I think is the side we should always be playing on. Why don't you get baptized? Why don't we deal with this? Dad, I think that you are wise to consider the state of your child's profession and soul. Uh, uh, hinder, hinder not. Justin Peters, uh, do not forbid them to come or hinder not the little children. Hinder them not. Hinder them not. It's a booklet that will help you to, to wisely guide your kids through that. And then encourage them, say, you know what, here's the order of things. We should get baptized. So if you have made a profession of faith, you believe that you're genuinely saved, then let's get dunked. Then we don't even have to worry about this issue. That would be my inclination. You can disagree with that by calling 1-877-282-BEEP, 1-877-282. Hello, Mr. 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 Creel. Question, are there any prohibitions in Scripture on who isn't allowed to perform a baptism? No, there isn't. But I do believe that there is an ideal and and i and i would say there there arguably could be two ideals in this instance who should do the baptizing i think ideally it should be either the pastor because that then is a picture of the pastor's relationship with the baptizee that that he is the spiritual shepherd of their souls and i think this signifies that on the other hand I do believe you could make the argument that a parent might be the next ideal, that the parent could do it because of the relationship with the child, and the child was led to the Lord by the parent, and they grew up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord with their parents. So I, I, I think that either one of those paints a better picture. Having said that, uh, the question that you asked, I think, is, is really wisely phrased. Is there anything in the Bible that says who can't do it? No, there isn't. Uh, and if you and if you said, well, uh, um, well, Paul actually didn't baptize much. He baptized a little, but not very much. What about Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch? Okay, then you have to be an apostle if you're going to use that as the pattern. And you'd go, well, there aren't any apostles exactly. So we read in the New Testament there are different people who did baptizing, and it isn't a sin to have somebody else do it. I just think that there's a a better picture that can be painted. And I'll tell you, if I were pastoring a church, hold that thought. Oh, oh, if I were pastoring a church and somebody approached me and said, my son wants to get baptized, my daughter wants to get dunked, can I do it? I would talk through it, but I sure wouldn't make a law where there is no law. one 282 I have to give a shout out for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, ACBC. We use it at Nickel State University and also Southeastern Louisiana University in, in Louisiana. It was amazing that during, it's in the month of September, which is uh, Suicide Awareness yeah. Prevention Month, that uh, we have 38 students that came up to us and said, we've got problems that uh, let's consider suicide. And I need help. Can you guys help us? That's outstanding. Sir, way to go. I, I, I think I've alluded to this before. But I'll take this a step further. Did I mention we were at the campus this week? 
And when these witness encounters were done, it was killing me on the inside. So we just said, well, hey, here you go. Here's here's some information. Here's some literature. Bye-bye. And I couldn't say, hey, our church is right on the street. Please come. We, we would love for you to visit us this Sunday. We'd love for you to grow. We would love to help you move from brokenness to wholeness. Would you please? And it can't do that because there isn't a local church nearby that I could recommend, frankly. And there's no churches out there. If you're a church and you're near a university, do not miss the opportunity to minister to these kids and send them to your church. I used to be of the opinion, well, no, don't tell them you want them to go to church because that makes it look like you're just trying to get new church members. Yeah, we are. And I, there's no apology necessary for that. Send them to your church. They need it. It's a spiritual safe place. They will grow there. And that is the increasing longing of my heart where it's like, I love going to the university campus, but uh, I'd love it even more if I could say, go to this church this Sunday, please. So if you're near a university, do what this fellow is doing. Go out there caring for the kids. We've got a booklet on suicide, by the way. You might want to think about this for September. Earlier, somebody had asked, "How do, what do you say to somebody when you're giving them literature? Okay, it's called 13 Reasons Why You Should Not Commit Suicide. It's a little bit of a play on 13 Reasons. That was HBO or Showtime. Somebody made that horrible series about suicide that actually, some people believe, increased the suicide rates. So this booklet is intended to give kids 13 reasons to live. Get a bunch of them. Wretched.org. Go to a university campus. It does not need to be September. Just go. Hand them to a kid and say, don't know if you ever struggle with this, but if you do or somebody you know does, this will be very helpful for you. And give them a copy of the booklet. And if they stop and kind of look at it, go, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever think about suicide? And as you just heard, people are going to want to talk to you. And if you can counsel them biblically and give them reasons to live. Oh, what a ministry. I'm jealous if your good church is located near a university campus. one 282 Hi, Todd. My name is Robert, and I just wanted to call and let you guys know that me and a fellow brother picked up two copies of Assurance, Resting in God's Salvation. And we're on day three of the study, and I had to pass along a thank you for sharing it. It's changing our lives. Cool. You know, we struggle, both of us, with our failures, and it's such a comfort to know, you know, God wants us to, you know, return to Him and always run back toward Him. So, thank you for that resource and everything that you guys share. God bless you all. Dude, thank you for sharing that so that others can be encouraged. I, was it today? Yesterday? Who am I? Why am I here? We were talking about the issue of a show. Oh, yeah, it was yesterday. We were talking about faithfulness and how that doctrine, that attribute of God is so helpful in not having wobbly knees of faith and, and, and that, that he can shore them up for you as you study his attributes. Uh, it's so needed. You just heard it. Did you? By the way, did you hear the heart of this fellow? Could you just feel it? That struggling with sins, my sins, my sins, they feel so grievous. God cleanses thoroughly. There's no sin too big. There's no person too bad. In fact, the bigger and better a sinner you are, the more glory he gets for saving a wretch like you. And he's willing to, if you're not saved, repent and put your trust in Jesus. 
And if you have done that, you are in Jesus and let the knowledge that you've already been forgiven for the sin you just committed give you the desires to sin no more. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.